Thank you, Chris. Thank you, church members who served in the choir and musicians. Was that not wonderful this morning? Amen. We are so blessed with uh, so many musicians. And thank you, uh, Media Booth. I know that that was a, a strain switching the board. You all did that very well. Thank you for serving us uh, this morning. Well, at Christmas, and it is Christmas Eve, but we... Uh, this will be the main time that many of us will wish each other Merry Christmas. It is special to be able to uh, gather together uh, with our church family, uh, our family whom we will spend eternity with, uh, living um, as we were created to in the image of God, our Savior, abounding in the love and grace of our Heavenly Father. But at Christmas, we're reminded reminded of the good news of great joy that Christ the Savior is born. We're reminded that Jesus, born of a Virgin Mary, that this miraculous event marked where the Word became flesh, making His dwelling among us. See, at Christmas, we are making a declaration, a declaration that the Savior has been born for all mankind and this savior is Emmanuel God with us the fourth century Christians made this confession about Christ confession goes we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only Son of God eternally begotten of the Father God from God light from light true God from true God begotten not made of one being with the father through him all things were made for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven by the power of the holy spirit he became incarnate from the virgin mary and was made man this confession is known as the nicene creed and it was a summarization of um, christological doctrine what true believers, what the faith handed down once for all to the saints, believes about Christ the Savior. And it was written to con combat false teaching, which either denied Jesus' full eternal deity or Jesus' full humanity. And in response, this confession affirms what the scriptures teach that the incarnation of Jesus, that at that Incarnation, he remained what he was, namely fully divine, but became what he was not, fully man. And why did he become a man? Why do we celebrate the birth of a baby boy? Well, as the angel said to Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins brothers and sisters God has come to rescue us that is what we remember in the birth of Jesus our Savior he has not left us to ourselves no he has sought a bride he has sought us and he has purchased us in other words the incarnation was God's mission to seek and save the lost this Jesus as John the Baptist would declare, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Now we know the story. We know how that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what I want us to see this morning is that the Holy Spirit is involved in the mission of Christ's coming and His birth, His incarnation, but the Holy Spirit is the, is the one who led Jesus in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit is the one who anointed Jesus for ministry at His baptism, who led Him as He preached good news of hope to the poor. The Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead so it's no surprise then that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus commands his disciples in Acts 1 to continue the mission, continue the mission of declaring good news of his coming to the world. And this is where what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is our text this morning, you can read it up on the screen. Jesus said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Over the past few Sundays, we have been considering the core values at Oak Park. We've been kind of linking these, at least with the, the birth of our Savior and thinking of this Advent season. And we've been looking at these core values and how the Scripture has called us to fulfill the great commandment, that is, love God and love neighbor, and that we are to do this through the great commission, which is to go make disciples. And how do we do this? How do we, or, or how do we uh, summarize these two commands here at Oak Park? Well, that's, we say it this way, by loving Jesus, loving people, and helping people love Jesus. And how do we accomplish that practically here at Oak Park? Well, that's through worship, community, discipleship and mission and this morning we're going to focus on mission and by that and I have a, a definition here for you up on the screen we mean this and this is based on Acts 1 8 declaring the gospel of Jesus by the Spirit's power among all peoples for God's glory declaring the gospel of Jesus by the Holy Spirit's power among all peoples for God's glory. My purpose this morning is to help us see how this mission is, is, is no different than Christ's mission. That our mission is his mission. He's the one who accomplished the mission. We are just heralds of what he has done. And this morning we are remembering his birth, which is the beginning of the rescue mission of humanity. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 this morning as our anchor text. And I want to show us how the church has been entrusted with this mission. And the way, means by which I want to do that today, and, and we can probably just keep that definition up on the screen, is by working through this definition phrase by phrase. And I want to show you how all these things are rooted here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so when we think of our mission particularly this Christmas season, as we're, as we're maybe going to have more opportunity, maybe later this afternoon as we're with family members, what did you do this morning? Or later this evening, or tomorrow, or later in the week, you're going to have opportunity to give witness to this Savior, to this one whom we have sung this morning, 
And so well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we are to declare the gospel of Jesus. Another way of describing declaring the gospel is being witnesses to him. Notice what Jesus says in Acts 1.8. He says, you will be my witnesses. You're going to testify to me, Jesus says. You're going to tell people about me. And, and that means that's our mission as a church. We, we want to tell people about Christ. And this time of year, we want to tell them that Jesus is God made flesh. That Jesus is the eternal God, the creator of all the world. He is the one who made you, who knit you in your mother's womb. But he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And he came to live the life that you and I should have lived but did not. And he bore the punishment of which was ours on the cross. We see this modeled for us throughout the book of Acts. But in particular, I want to I focus on one example for us to give us at least some practical means by which we should do the same. And, and if you would, just turn over one chapter to Acts chapter 2. This is the fulfillment of what Jesus says. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to be my witnesses. Well, we see that Peter in Acts chapter 2 is the first witness that we see here of Jesus. And, and, and I want us to focus on, and I'm not going to preach this whole text, but looking through verses 22 through 38, I want to just draw out four kind of elements to this preaching task. What does it look like for you and me to, to practically bear witness to Jesus? Well, if we look in verse 22... Well, simply, this means we need to be able to tell people who Jesus is. Look at what Peter does in his sermon. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus was delivered up. If we are going to bear witness to Christ, if we're going to fulfill the mission that has been given to us, not only at 1111 Allison Lane, but has been given to all Christians throughout all the centuries, and will be until Jesus returns, we should be able to tell people who Jesus is. If they're going to believe on him, they must know who he is. And Peter here tells him he's, he's Jesus of Nazareth. Now this isn't an exhaustive treatment. But at this time of year, you can say, you can tell the story of Bethlehem. You can tell the story of, of Mary. You can, you can begin to tell who Jesus is. The signs and wonders that he performed began with the miraculous virgin birth. So it would be too much for him who was born not of man, but of the Holy Spirit to do all the things that he did. Not only are we to tell who Jesus is, but we also tell what Jesus did. Look in verse 23. This Jesus, Peter goes on, he says, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This baby who was born grew up to be a man. And this man was crucified by lawless sinners. He was crucified by sinners like you and me. But make no mistake, brothers and sisters, this one who was crucified, this one who was killed, he is not dead. 
He is alive. He is the one whom death could not hold in. And the, and the picture here is he loosed the pangs of death. It is, it is labor pains, like a woman in childbirth who cannot hold that child back anymore. The earth birthed Christ from the grave. That is what we are to tell the world. This Jesus whom we sing about at Christmas is the same Jesus whom we boldly announce at Easter. He is the risen Savior. And he has come and he has accomplished what no one could do. What is it that he accomplished? Let's jump down to verse 33. Peter says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out on this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. What has he accomplished? Well, we don't get it explicitly here, but, but Peter is describing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It has just occurred in, 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 in chapter 2, this promise of fulfillment. And he's, he's talking to a Jewish audience who would have understood that the coming of the Holy Spirit had, had significant meaning, and, and primarily that meant that God would forgive his people of their sins. That what Jesus accomplished on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his people was proof positive that Jesus had accomplished the mission of rescuing his people, of seeking and saving the lost, that those who had received the Holy Spirit, that their sins had been forgiven, that they had been washed white as snow by the blood of Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, if we're going to be faithful to the mission, we need to be telling people this good news. Not just that the Savior has been born, but what he has accomplished that he's accomplished salvation for us. And then finally, look in verse 38. Peter tells us then how we should respond to this gospel. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only are we to tell who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what he accomplished, but we are to tell people what they must do now. That they are to repent of their sins and trust Jesus Christ for salvation. They are to be baptized into his name. They are to be brought into They are to join in as a worshiping people. However, this witness is not to be done in our own power, as I want us to see. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We are to carry out the mission of declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit's power. And this is something that I want us to take note of. It should be humbling to us. Notice that the power is not innate in us. We aren't the powerful ones. We aren't the ones who make this happen. No, Jesus says you will receive power. Power is going to come through the Holy Spirit. It's given to us. And therefore, church, we need to make sure that this, this truth resonates, that this truth reigns over everything that we do. Because without the empowerment of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter 
how much we plan, how much we strategize, what we build, how many programs we do, what ministries we're involved in. If we seek to do this by our own strength, in our own will, and our own power, we may be building something, but we aren't building the kingdom of God. We may be making a name for ourselves, but woe to us if Jesus would say, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Jesus tells us that we are to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. The amazing thing is, is that what we see throughout the book of Acts, and if we continue through the history of the church, and we even think of our own history here at Oak Park, we see that the same spirit who conceived Jesus in Mary's womb continues to accomplish what is humanly impossible. You do realize the incarnation is impossible. You cannot have a baby without a man and a woman. But Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He was conceived. The eternal God became a man to rescue sinners. And so if he says, here's the means by which I want you to rescue sinners, we better do what he says. Don't you think? Because when I look at declaring the gospel, I don't know about you, but it looks impossible. It looks impossible to reach people with this message. It looks impossible. That's the very means by which God gets glory. The Spirit empowers God's people to speak the gospel, even in the face of death. I want you to flip over to chapter 4. I love this text, and, 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 and I pray that it will be a model, maybe, for what we do in our community groups, how we pray in our pastoral prayer times. But look in, in chapter 4, verse 29. This is right after Peter and John had been arrested and released, but they realized the heat is turning up on the gospel. Look in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. This isn't the 12 apostles. This isn't just the preachers. This is the church gathered. Lord, look at their threats. They are going to imprison us. We know they want to kill us. And notice, don't say keep us safe, Lord. Notice, take it away, Lord. Notice, you don't see any of that. No, Lord, help us to continue to speak the word with all boldness. May that be true of us. Goes on and says, while you stretch out your hands to heal and the and, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Then look at the result of their prayer, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the, who? The Holy Spirit. And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There are believers gathered, praying for boldness. Do we pray like that? Do you pray like that in your home, 
you pray like that, his, his community groups, as we think about the things that we're involved in and think of, of the obstacles that, that face us, if we think we can do this on our own, we are sadly mistaken. Now we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and the way that we demonstrate that we are dependent upon His power is that we pray like this. Lord, give us strength to continue to speak Your Word with all boldness. The Holy Spirit equips us. We saw that last Sunday. But even in Acts chapter 6, I'm just going to kind of blitz through the book here. Holy Spirit equips the church to minister to those who are not like them, different people groups. Holy Spirit even transforms those who are seeking to kill the church. You may be familiar with the, the conversion of the Apostle Paul. How he previously sought to kill the church, stamp out the church. And he would drag people out of their homes and take them back to Jerusalem to imprison them and to execute them. And the Holy Spirit changed him. Made him a follower of Christ. Holy Spirit leads his people to those who are ready to receive the word. Think of, of Peter's uh, dream at night. And, and at the same time, the Lord was wooing Cornelius. Notice he doesn't just say, well, I'll give them dreams and they just start believing. No, even in the miraculous events that were occurring through the apostles, it was to lead Peter there to preach the gospel. We sometimes want all the miraculous, but the, the truly miraculous is that when people hear the gospel, they believe. Throughout Acts, he opens the hearts of witches and jailers and officials, philosophers and religious leaders, peoples of all backgrounds. They are, their hearts are opened. Their ears are unplugged. Their eyes can now see. And they believe the word. He causes the gospel to triumph even when people are killed, imprisoned, and run out of town. What we would think, well, there's nothing going on here. The Holy Spirit's working through the preached word. And people come to faith in Christ. We didn't have this this morning, but those of you who attend with us regularly, we witness and hear the testimonies of the Holy Spirit's work every time, about every three months, we, we bring up new members here. And by, and by God's grace, there has been very few quarters that we haven't been bringing in new people into this church. And we're hearing stories of the impossible happening. And sometimes the stories are different. Sometimes it's, it's one who's grown up in the church and they've, they've, they've never really wondered. And those are glorious stories. And then there's those who, who did not grow up in a Christian home, but yet through circumstances of the Holy Spirit's leading and God's providence that they hear the gospel, whether it's a, a friend or they're turning the television or they, they picked up a Bible or one of you invited them. All these are impossible stories of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. The declaration of the gospel is the means by which the Holy Spirit grants new birth. Reborn, or, or reborn through the, the gospel and the power of the Spirit. And so the same Spirit who conceived Jesus in, the, in Mary's womb is the same Spirit who causes every person who believes to be born again. Who gives them new hearts. Brothers and sisters, this work is to be done among all peoples, 
among all peoples. And I, I choose that word among uh, to make a significant point because when we think of our Savior, He didn't just drop a note to us, did He? He didn't just write it in the sky. No, He came to us. He became one of us. To rescue us, He was among us. And brothers and sisters, if we are going to follow the footsteps of our Savior, now, none of us are going to be God incarnate. <laughs> and none of us are going to die for the sins of our people. But no, we follow in His footsteps. We will even die if necessary. Following our Savior's example, and that means that we go rescue. We seek to save the lost. Paul puts it this way, I become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. And if we are going to be an effective church in carrying out the mission of the gospel, we have to be among them. We have to. We have to go be among the lost. In the gospels, we see the story of this rescue plan. Really broadly speaking, we go from the, the birth of Christ and quickly we get to his ministry, about 30 years old. And the whole story, if we think about it, is all building towards Jesus moving closer and closer to Jerusalem. He ends up in Jerusalem and that's where ultimately Christ is crucified. But when we come to the book of Acts, we're starting in Jerusalem, but the story now moves away from Jerusalem. It moves out from Jerusalem. It's not forsaking Jerusalem because what we're seeing in Acts chapter 1 and 2 and really through chapter 6 is, is the church in Jerusalem being established. But God was not content just to reach the Jews. No, he wanted to reach all peoples. And I love this in Acts chapter 1. Luke records, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. In other words, he says, My first volume was what Jesus began to do. This volume is what he continues to do. And what is he continuing to do? He is establishing local churches throughout the world to reach all people. And this is the mission, brothers and sisters, to take the gospel of salvation of Jesus Christ, of Jesus' name, to all peoples. That means whatever race they are, whatever gender, whatever economic status, whatever political affiliation, and no matter what sin they are entangled in. There is no one off limits. No one. There aren't a class of sinners by which we say, nope, you don't get the gospel. Or that one's too impossible. Well, that's exactly where the Lord wants to shine. Paul says, I was the chief of sinners. So that Christ's perfect patience may be demonstrated in everyone who may believe. He saved a terrorist to show you that he can save and wants to save all. So how does this happen? How do we go among people? And so let's come back to Acts chapter 1-8. And notice, we're going to be his witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem. This is where the story begins, but it begins then to expand in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I don't think Jesus gave this 
statement just to be a, a church mission plan, but I do think it is uh, an example for us to follow. We, we are seeing a church in Jerusalem established, and we're seeing how God worked, sometimes them intentionally, sometimes out of circumstances, out of their control. But the Lord working out of this one church and affecting even us today. We're telling their story, are we not? We're recipients of the work that has been done. This is the power of the Holy Spirit amongst all peoples where the gospel has been preached. And here at Oak Park, your pastors want to help us think, how do we have a balanced approach to the mission? How, 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 what does this text say for us and by which we can be, in a sense, bigger than who we are? I take that from Pastor Gary. He copyrighted it, so i got to let everybody know that's where I got it. I think we start in our Jerusalem, which is locally. And this is one of the things that has been on my heart uh, for the last few years. And I've shared this if you've been around business meetings or heard me preach enough on these things. But, but I was burdened when I, I looked at our, our budget and I looked at it really sh a trend that was occurring in, our, in our, our children and student ministries. I was noticing, yeah, we were growing, but we were not growing in the students who were around here. I came here and there was, I remember uh, Emily Lewis was up there and, and her um, amongst a few others, and, but most of you were from Jeff High. And then by the end, there was only one or two from Jeff High. That's not necessarily a problem, but what we were noticing is that we were not reaching people here, we were reaching around us. And so we wanted to rectify that. So Pastor Joshua's been doing a lot of work and by God's grace, if you've come on a Wednesday night, you, you've seen that the Lord's hand has been very gracious to us. And we're, we're seeing that change. But what I want us to, to see is, is that local churches are embassies of the kingdom on earth. We're little embassies. And the Lord is, is placed an embassy here at 1111 Allison Lane to help reach Oak Park in southern Indiana. That is what we are to do. And the Great Commission is to make disciples of Jesus, which means that we bring them into the church. Evangelism isn't just declaring the good news. It is, is declaring the good news by the power of the Holy Spirit amongst all peoples for God's glory. And when they respond to that good news, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And baptizing them is, is not only them publicly declaring their faith, but is identifying with the church. We say this is putting on the team jersey. Oh, you want to follow Jesus? Well, then put on the team jersey. And that's what baptism is. And that's what we want to be doing. This is going to happen through individual witness. Each of you, each of us as members of Oak Park have, have spheres of influence to spread the gospel of the good news of salvation in Jesus' name. Each of you, each of us does. Might have a, a more influence than others, that's okay. But every one of us have been strategically positioned in some means, in some place, by which we are able to spread the good news. Think of our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends. But the church that's, that's grown a lot in younger families, I was actually commenting on this with uh, my wife the other night, not by any stretch of the imagination do I think that we are now older saints in the church, but what I have noticed is that we are now 
at least more experienced than a lot of the other parents. We, we're, we're now moving to a new stage. Now, we have not arrived. I understand that. But I'm just saying, we're, we're continually adding new moms and dads. You know what our primary, or, or at least our initial front line evangelism is? Evangelizing our children. If we, that, that's right there. That's the fruit for the picking. It's just laying right there. And we are to, mom and dad, you, you are to be the ones who are declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit among all people, including your children. And they don't get some special pass that you don't have to preach the gospel to them. You got to minister and labor to them and model it and set expectations and lovingly lay down your life for your children and you pray and you beg that the Holy Spirit opens up their hearts. Because our children are just as lost as the children outside these walls. Now they have privilege, that's absolutely true. They're no less lost. Most of us, including myself, need to exercise also more intentionality in prayer. Thinking about when we're, we're wandering through uh, our normal routine, uh, whether it's going to the grocery or going to work or, or what it is, Lord, today, bring me someone I can share the gospel with. Or this week or this month, may, may I be more intentional. If we began just to pray that, I, I think that's a prayer the Lord would want to honor and, and answer. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners, was he not? We should be a church that are friends of sinners. We should be a church that our community says those are our friends. We're welcome there. That doesn't mean we water down the gospel. It doesn't mean that we hold back from what the scripture teaches. But no, we embody the gospel. We, we present Christ to them through our love for them and our relationship with them. That's our individual witness. And every one of us has, has a sphere of influence by which we can exert that. And even if you, you're unaware of it, just start praying, Lord, open up my eyes to the spheres of influence that you have given me. But that's not to be separated from our corporate witness. We do have a corporate witness. And the church is to provide avenues of evangelism to expand our individual reach. And oftentimes we need, I would say not only oftentimes, most of the time we need the corporate dimension of evangelism to open up our individual uh, uh, evangelism. I can tell you that's the truth for me. I was far more evangelistic before I was a pastor than when I am a pastor. Why is that? Because I'm, I'm with you all the time. Now, that's a good thing. I don't think that's bad, but it's changed. I, I'm around Christians all the time. And so I need the avenues that the church provides. And these are corporate means of building individual relationships. And so we have, by God's grace, new avenues. We had, we've had Jeff High football for at least six years, maybe seven. Pastor Jonathan, who was here before me, the Lord used to start that. I was able to carry that baton, Cody, and now Joshua. It'll be nice to know who's going to be the next one to carry that baton. But we think of, of our ministry at Jeff High and, and all the hands. I know many of you uh, come and serve the meals, but the, the purpose isn't just to show up and leave. It's the purpose is here's an event by which I can build a relationship. 
Now you might say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I don't need to be building relationships with, with high school 16-year-old boys. That's okay. What, what about their coaches? Or the avenues by which we have contact with our parents? Or just getting creative. And oftentimes when we get together, we learn from another person. Oh, that's how you're doing. I never even thought of that. Think of the ministry that we have to Clark County Jail as the Lord's opened up. To Toby Jenkins' ministry. The reason we go is not to go and sit and leave. It's to go and build relationships. So that when they get out, to them, they may say, this is the safe place to go. Same thing with choices. Or our college students, those of you who are involved with, with Christian Student Fellowship, the reason to go, you might say, well, I've got all the fellowship I need here at the church. i got a good college ministry. But, yeah, but Caleb Creel, who's going to be joining us, I think, here in next quarter, campus minister there, he, he needs you to help him reach people he can't reach on the campus. And join the efforts of other churches in our association or trying to reach uh, students on the campus of IUS. I think of our ESL ministry that the Lord has started Daniel and Sylvia Rodriguez and the team that they have assembled. One, uh, a few years ago, I was driving up and down Allison Lane looking at the, the apartments, watching the people who were walking down the street. And I noticed, Lord, there's, there's a heavy Hispanic population that we, we aren't even remotely tapping into. And I, I know that there's a, probably a language barrier there. Lord, open up those doors. That prayer wasn't answered immediately, but those doors have now begun to be open. And what's my prayer for our church? Is that the Lord might save some of these who are coming in. There's, there's six, seven, eight uh, people on a Wednesday night. And really what my prayer is that the Lord would, would save a man or a woman who has great influence on the Hispanic community in our area and say, hey, come with me. And maybe a church is planted out of that where we, we train up an indigenous Hispanic leader who then is able to minister in the apartment complex and do what none of us can do. That's what we want to be praying for. Lord, give us boldness. Give us opportunity for these things to happen. And then again, our children's ministries. That's where the Lord has opened up a great door for us in our neighborhood, where we've been able to minister to families, and some of which we have yet to even get to know, but we've gotten to know their children. And if you want to know really where we put some of our chips in heavily, it's, it's in these ministries because we're hoping to invest and plant seeds and water them, begging that Lord would, would give a generation of growth. And the means by which southern Indiana, and particularly our block of, of, of neighborhood right here, will be reached is that he would raise up a new generation of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this area would be transformed. And their influences and their family and those, those little children who are, are growing up and are little boogers running around all over the place, busting through our walls and, and doing all kinds of stuff. We welcome it because we're praying that the Lord would open up their heart. That's here just locally. Maybe the Lord will do more things. I think of Southern Indiana Rescue Mission, Choices Resource Center. The reason we want to be involved in them is to build relationship with people you can't otherwise build a relationship with. Most of us don't have those means. We don't have homeless people sitting outside of our houses often. That's just locally. The Lord's been gracious to help us fill some of that out, and I invite you to pray with us. Be pleading with the Lord. Give growth. 
give more laborers. Lord, may people have ears to hear and eyes to see, and that just as you opened up our heart, that you would open up theirs. But then we think domestically, our region, our, our nation. And here at Oak Park, the primary means by which we're, we're seeking to do mission in our own country is through the North American Mission Board. Oak Park is not able to reach southern Indiana all by themselves. We can't do it, let alone North America. And so this is one of the beauties of, of being in the Southern Baptist Convention and being in our association is that we are linking arms with other faithful Southern Baptist churches in de declaring the gospel, not only here in southern Indiana, but abroad. And what my prayer is, is that the Lord may help us to strengthen churches that already exist, help revive dying churches, but even help in planting new ones where that is needed. And when we think of North America, that includes Canada and, 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 and Puerto Rico. And I want to just share with you some opportunity that is coming our way that I want us to be prepared for. The North American Mission Board has approached our church, approached me and some other churches in our association, but um, has recognized that we are in a strategic location with strategic influence that, to help mobilize church revitalization and planting in Indiana. And, and really, frankly, that is that we are as close as you can get to Louisville, and there's a seminary across the river, but we are still Indiana, so that, hey, we become a, a nice little hub and I already know what we're doing here and that we've, we've already got some influence, but I just want you to know that, that they have developed what is called the NAM pipeline. And what they want to do is strategically work with the seminary to partner individuals who are looking to church plant with a local church where they can serve faithfully for three years before they enter the process of actually planting. And part of that means helping them do the things that they're going to have to do when they're starting groundbreaking work, which is starting an evangelistic Bible study where there is none. Helping getting the schools, help to do things. And so that's a great opportunity, not only for us to invest in that resource, but also to be a part of. And my prayer is that the Lord would not only raise up seminarians, but non-seminarians. To say, hey, I want to be a part of a revitalization work. You can talk to Pastor Gary. Uh, he probably has better stats than me. But there are churches in our association, if we just look there, that, that, are, that, that need pastors. And, and, and the revolving door is there, and some of them are in a cycle that, that maybe we could help to break that cycle. Maybe that looks like, hey, we, we have someone who we've been training who's called to be a pastor, and, and, and somehow their community group or some others are going to go with them and we're going to provide you not only with a pastor but here are some members so that you have some new life and some of the work that we've been doing it's yeah, been a little tedious and, and those of you who have been following where we're restructuring things and working to document processes and systems and so that we could maybe take and say hey here's a template for how it could be done we're not saying it's the way to do it but it is a way here's a starting point here's somewhere you can look to and really my prayer is that over the next five ten years is that the Lord would see fit to make Oak Park an equipping resourcing and sending church not just for southern Indiana, but wherever he may have us. 
And this includes globally. The primary means by which we've been doing this is, is through the IMB. We also have a, a partnership with the Haiti Collective. And in the end of June, we'll be sending another team where we've been slowly working with a, a local church to help equip them, resource them, give them model. We've been trying to do some of the things I hope we can do in our own association, our own area, our own state, so that they can then reach their country. With IMB also, International Mission Board, that we may partake in not only supporting missionary work, but raising up missionaries of our own and sending them out. Think of Caitlin Schrock in particular, one among us who's, who's going to be leaving, Lord willing, this summer. And that's going to be the, the new beginning seed of, a, of a, a prey of a harvest of missionaries are going to be raised up in our church and sent out. Here's what we need to remember. As Christ came to be among us, so we are to be among all peoples. We are to do that. Why are we to do that? For God's glory. God's glory. Come back to Acts 1.8. You don't see Jesus conclude with to the glory of God or anything like that. But that is assumed because we're taking one verse out of a bigger context of the story of God's glory filling the earth. And it's seen really there in and that we're to be his witnesses, witnesses to him, his name, to the ends of the earth, because that's the goal. And whatever the Lord sees fit to do through us, that is his prerogative, but we want to be faithful. I want you to hear this psalm of Psalm 72 from Solomon, his prayer, and this may be a good prayer for us. Solomon prays as the king of Israel, may his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. That needs to be our prayer. And this was the mission of Christ. When he was born of a virgin... God incarnate, deity. John wrote, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he says, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. May the glory of Christ incarnate shine from us as we declare the message of Jesus Christ. Here in just a minute, we're going to declare this message through taking the Lord's Supper. Pastor Gary, you can come on up. I'm going to pray for us. But as we take the Lord's Supper, we are making a declaration of the gospel, of Jesus' death, and what he has accomplished until he returns, but it's also a picture of what he offers to the world. We're offering life through Christ. It's my prayer that we this year 2018 lord would give us more favor more opportunity more witness to make him known if you would look please pray with me heavenly father thank you for sending your son thank you for coming to dwell among us and thank you for your mission to rescue sinners like us 
And Lord, as we are mindful of the work that you have done in our lives, may it propel us, may it motivate us, may it move us to make you known in every sphere of influence that you have given us. And that those who come in contact with us, whether individually or corporately, they would say, we have seen the glory of Jesus Christ. That they would see your face shining. And that they would say, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Lord, that is our prayer. And my prayer right now for anyone here this morning who, who may be visiting, uh, who doesn't know you, that they would see that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, and that you have not left them to themselves. That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who, who asks for forgiveness from you, who declares that you are Lord and submits to you, Lord, you say you will save. That you will wipe clean every evil deed that they have done, every evil thing that they have said, and every evil thing that they have ever thought you will make them a son or daughter of the kingdom. Lord, we pray these things to this end. In Jesus' name, amen.